It's time again for Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three generations, and three hot takes. The triple threat includes baby boomer Ted Patel of Z92.5 The Castle, our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN, and the SEC Network out of Charlotte, North Carolina. The millennial man is Jared Patel of Valley Sports Detroit. Comments and questions can be sent by email to threepointpod at gmail.com. Follow Three Point Podcast on social media at Three Point Pod. The fellows will get in rolling right after this from our partners. Success Group Mortgage and Servicing is Shiawassee County's only licensed mortgage broker, lender, and servicer. That means you get exclusive products not found anywhere else. If you are looking to purchase a home or refinance a home in Florida, Hawaii, or Michigan, stop what you're doing and give Success Group Mortgage and Servicing a call. 989-720-4380. That's 989-720-4380. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your large or small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of Three Point Podcast, located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. Hi again, everybody, and welcome to episode 179 of the Three Point Podcast. I'm Ted Fattel of Z92.5 and Sportsnet Michigan with ESPN's Matt Burns on the phone from North Carolina and Jared Fattel of Bally Sports Detroit. Our special partners and teammates include Advanced Elevator, the ALS Association, Corona Connection, Hankard Sportswear, JJ's Excavating and Tree Services, Kendall Drugs, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, the Owasso Speedway, Sheridan Auction Service, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and Z92.5 The Castle. Well, we're about a week behind, but the Field of Dreams game took place, like I said, about a week ago. We'll be checking in with Ben Regal of ESPN, who was there. He has some good stories to get into. We'll also talk about the Tigers and Miggy's quest for 500, and also a look at the Pistons. But before we get into all that stuff, really, let's have this catch-up portion be Matt, because he's back from, I think, his sixth or seventh vacation of the year. Yeah, I mean, we, we were talking before I started recording about kind of needing, we've, we've talked about it before too, like after vacation, sometimes you need like a vacation from vacation, and I kind of just like went right back into work. So yeah, after having a couple weeks off, um, it, it would have been nice to have a few days to kind of recharge from vacation, but but no, I mean, it, it was all good. Vacation was great. Seeing the family and everything obviously is always great, and now, I mean, we're going to talk about it later. Obviously, there's a lot of sports going on, baseball coming down to the wire and then football being back. So that kind of gets you, gets, gets you excited, too. You know, uh, you do family vacations, which I applaud. I think it's very cool. You had quite a crew there at the Ocean for this one. What were some of your highlights? I mean, honestly, like it just like initially being with the family, because I hadn't seen everyone in, in a while, but seeing the kids swim in the ocean, we literally spent, I mean, the, the, it was hot. Super hot and muggy the whole week, which, you know, is fine. But the, the temperature of the water was perfect. I mean, we honestly spent two, three hours in the water just, wow. like, jumping waves and, like, doing the boogie board and stuff like that. The kids didn't come out of the water for, like, six hours. I mean, you know how it is as kids. You just stay in the water the whole time. So just, like, 
being you know because we we've told my family you people who know listen to the podcast talk about going to the beach a lot so like i wanted to show my family this beach that we really love so it was super cool to like sit back and see my family like enjoy the beach that we have come to like you know quite a bit too so yeah seeing the kids play in the water for hours and hours was super cool to watch i gotta send a special shout out to your dad too rocky uh you know i don't know if it's a trend with uh fellow retirees i'm looking at it coming down the road but uh growing the long gray locks rocking the beard and probably the best look for rocky is the bandana to go along with it uh please pass on that <laughs> oh, i, I he, enjoyed he, his fashion man, he, he, yeah he gets a lot of compliments on that i mean it kind of like like i think we've talked about before jared i think he said like he's never seen you without a mustache yeah. like I've, I've never seen my dad my dad's always had the beard but the long hair, he had the long hair way back when I was really young, long <laughs> hair, but then he's mostly kept it short. The long hair, though, I, I told him, like, when he started growing it out, I was like, keep growing it out. That looks so cool when it's especially, like, whited out like that. Yeah. It makes me, like, I'm, I'm starting to get the grays in my beard, <laughs> but I know eventually I'm going to have the white hair like that. It makes me look forward to because, yeah, when you tie it back and, you know, you got the, those long locks, it gets a lot of comments from uh, people who thinks he thinks he's a fellow hippie. So yeah, if, you probably remember those days back in the '60s and '70s. Uh, if I remember them, I wasn't doing it right, but I do remember them. When yeah. I, when I ever I see uh, an old guy with with that sort of getup, I always think, man, that guy's got to have some damn stories. Oh. It's like it's just such a like <laughs> you've seen some shit if if that if you're rocking that, it's yeah. classic. Now, just a personal question here with the headband. I haven't seen your dad in a while. Does he still have it on the front? Because, unfortunately, I could grow it probably in the back, but I would have the bald spot on yeah. top, and I'm sh a little shallow on the front. So I don't know. Has he got a full head? He, he's got a pretty full head. It maybe is thinning out a little bit on top, but, no, a pretty full head of hair. So I'm jealous. It kind of makes me excited. I, I know the hair doesn't, like, I don't know. I don't think it necessarily comes from your dad's side. I think it's your mom's side. But yep. hopefully I hold on to it as long as he has because, no, that, seeing that, that long, white, flowing locks, it looks cool. Matt, just like Jared, Jared, you used to rock the long, flowing yeah, it, locks, right, in, it, in high school? Yeah, and I had to cut it because uh, receding hairline. So, Matt, just appreciate what you got because I'm probably going to be bald way before your current age right now. So just appreciate what you've had. Yep, and if it starts to go too bad, you're just going to yeah, shave exactly, it, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's, uh, that's maybe my biggest worry. And I think about it a lot. I never want to be the guy who kept his hair like, too, like you, you know, we all know the guy I'm talking about, like the one who the just won't accept that he's you're bald, man. Just right. shave it down. Yeah, I never want to be that. So I always have told myself, like, I'm gonna shave it way before I need to, just so I never have that happen. I think your dad's a good example. He keeps it cut pretty, pretty, yeah. pretty tight you to have the to. noggin. You it, have it looks to. good. <laughs> if you let it start growing out, it's all patchy and stuff. <laughs> it, it, you you end up just doing what I do, which is glue the hat to that. <laughs> all right, I think I, I, we, I've you don't have. I've always said the same thing. Once, once it, if if I get to that point, once it starts going. It's just going to be shit. I'm not going to do the whole Rogaine hair mm -hmm. club for men, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's just going to come off. But like, I got to think, it's a like, it's got to be a process. I have a couple friends who, once they started going bald, like even in college, they started shaving every day. That's what they said. Like, you you almost have to do it like every day. Otherwise, yeah, you start getting those little patches. So yeah. that's quite the process. I feel like. Don't you don't you think it's better though? Like, if you're losing it on top instead of just jumping right into the shave job, just to buzz it. You know, keep it really, really short. Is that yeah? I is that mean, a way I think go? that's what the majority of people do. I yeah. mean, 
Scott Van Pelt's done a lot for the bald culture, kind of making it cool, yeah. I guess. Um, <laughs> but I don't. It's just at the end of the day, you're you're not hiding it from anyone. You're you know you shaving it, doing this with it, that with it, combing it over here, combing over. There. You're not fooling anyone. I mean, right. who are we getting? Just just shave it down. It, it, bald being bald from what my dad has told me, it's not because he used to have pictures where he was this guy. Where it's like, what were you doing with your hair? Like, you should have just shaved that. Like, I think it was his wedding pictures. I was looking at, like, you look like a freaking clown. And he go, and that's what he told me. I still remember it to this day. Like, he's like, you know, being bald is a lot cooler than it was like when I was a, like when I was uh, younger. He's, he's probably like, right. Right? It's just yeah. a lot more accepted now. I feel like it is a tough one that we have to deal with when we are losing our hair. But sometimes you just got to suck it up and and deal with it. Like yeah. your your brother Josh, by the way, we're recording on Monday. We'll wish him happy birthday here on this podcast. But he's owned up to it. He looks good yeah that's what you get you just gotta you, that's why i've always like i said a second ago do it before you have to because then it's like a power move like you, you know what i right i like this look that's why i'm doing it not because i have to exactly and then for all you know you'll never ever under you'll never know whether your hair ever kept receding or if it's totally gone if you just keep it shaved for all you know it could you could let it grow back out again yeah i feel like that would, that would be like the ultimate test if you start shaving it now when you get to be 45 48 <laughs> Try and let it grow one time. See yeah. what happens. Oh, Keep God. it grows back. <laughs> yeah, I had a guy at work that did that. I mean, he, I, for as long as I'd known him, his head was just buzzed, you know. And I, I hadn't seen him in a while, and he came back from a long vacation, and I thought, my God, he has some hair, but it, it was kind of patchy. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll get into some sports stuff here. We got Ben Regal of ESPN coming up next to talk about the Field of Dreams. Advanced Elevator Company have the very best trained professional field technicians and project management team for installations, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators in the entire Midwest. Centrally located with world headquarters in the heart of Owasso, Michigan, the Jankas are longtime huge supporters of the Corona Public Schools and, might I add, just local legends in general. Advanced Elevator Company, area business leaders, and a longtime member of the Shiawassee Regional Chamber of Commerce. Kendall Drugs in Corona are there for you. They take special care of all patients because they could be your mother, father, sibling, aunt, uncle, niece, or nephew standing at the counter. Centrally located in the heart of Shiawassee County, right across from the courthouse. No insurance? No problem. Come on in and talk with Patrick Kendall, and he'll be happy to work with you and is very competitive on prices with no gouging. Now taking new patients and prescription transfers. Stop in Monday through Friday from 8.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. at Kendall Drugs in Corona. Or give them a call at 989-720-4295. Great news to report. Sheridan Realty and Auction Company has built a new 7,500-square-foot warehouse in Owasso. Now we are able to take all of your items and put it underneath one roof. Whether you are able to bring us a vehicle, an ATV, furniture, it goes inside. Go to SheridanAuctionService.com to see more. More importantly, stop down and see us at 1007 South Washington Street. You'll do better with Sheridan. All right, guys, next up on the podcast, we talked about this game a lot last week, the Field of Dreams game. Everyone at this point knows how the game went. The game was incredible, down to the wire, walk-off home run. But the biggest thing was if you build it, he will come. The Field of Dreams, I mean, it was just incredible how they set the whole thing up, how the field looked. Uh, the call, Fox did an incredible job producing the game. But who we wanted to bring on was one of my old buddies from up in Bristol working at ESPN. He's still up there. Ben Regal, he's a producer. He was there at the Field of Dreams game. And But my first question is, I want to ask you, what exactly did you do 
for the Field of Dreams game? Because we know it was broadcast on Fox, but you were there producing something. What did you have to do? Well, first of all, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, secondly, uh, I produce a baseball show for the United Kingdom and some other, uh, some other regions as well. Uh, it's called Caps Off. So I produce and work in uh, international television at ESPN. Uh, we've been doing the show now for this is our third season, and so we're a co-production with Major League Baseball. And we went there to give the British audience essentially a taste of what the experience was going to be. So we were there. Uh, we got to get behind the scenes of, of everything. We talked to the owner, of the CEO of the, of the movie set. We got to talk to people in Dyersville that set up exhibits of the movie because the set was closed down to everybody during the game. We talked to uh, the store owner or the manager, excuse me, of the store that was on site from uh, Baseballism. Her name was Jenna. We just got to get an inside inside shot at everything. We got to walk the field. We got to talk to Aaron Judge, and we got to talk to uh, Liam Hendricks and see Liam talk to his, <laughs> his wife who was on vacation, and then he turned the phone around and showed her all the people waiting to talk to him, which was pretty funny. My guys played uh, catch with some of the ghost players. Nice. Uh, so we did a whole show. I produced and edited it on the road, and then I've got more content that's coming in the show this week, including uh, the guys uh, eating the apple pie hot dog that was uh, featured uh, at the event. I, I saw you. I, th- I think you tweeted out a picture of that. It looked, I, I don't know, apple pie and hot dog. I don't know if that goes together. Was it good? Believe it or not, it was outstanding. So essentially, it's you know, it's basically the whole like sweet and salty thing, right? So like yeah. apple sausage and like we. I had some blueberry sauce type thing on a cheeseburger when I was gone out there too. So they they do apparently they do a lot of fruit and meat combinations in the Midwest. I guess this was uh, with Guy Fieri and I think it was Chevrolet that was the sponsor that were doing it. And all the fans got to have a little sneak peek, and we got the chance to try it. My guys filmed it for a show. Uh, segment on the show we call it step up to the dish playing a little pun on the uh, home plate there <laughs> you know we we did it we had some fun guys uh, did the corn maze that was there too they did everything right and then some trust it was a you know including i'm going to do the pun here on purpose it was a complete home run for major league baseball what was it like when you first pulled up to the field of dreams did it kind of was it everything you expected was it better than you expected and was it like right off the highway or was this kind of like right out in the middle of bfe Oh, it's literally in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, you get off the highway, and then you got to take, like, essentially a side road to get to where the, the set in the field is. And then you get there, and you see the house, and you get to see the, the house with the swing set and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff from Ray and his little daughter, Karen. And then they have the store right there, which they, they don't even brand the store. They just keep it all Field of Dreams. And when we talked to the to the manager of the store, he told me that was on purpose, that he didn't want to take away from, from the movie itself. And then it's just, it's corn, man. It's corn <laughs> for as far as the eyeball can see. And they had it on purpose where they had the movie set, so the house, the farm, the field, and then you had to walk through the cornfield, a la the movie, to get to where Major League Baseball had the stadium put, which nice. was really cool. You know, this is Ted, and uh, I just wanted to pick your brain a little bit about, uh, you know, what you're doing in uh, Great Britain. I mean, how, how are the fans there? Are they pretty well in tune with baseball? This took me completely by surprise in year one. There's massive fans there, and I say it took me by surprise because I was just ignorant. I didn't yeah. know any better, honestly. Every team has a fan account, every single team, and they live-tweet the games, or they'll DVR and then live-tweet it after the fact. And, you know, my buddy Nick, who's, uh, who's the, with the U.K. Angels, he's a madman, and I, and I love him for it. 
you know, they're they're on a five hour uh, time difference from the East Coast. But he's an Angels fan. So that's an eight hour time difference. Oh, God. And my man sleeps in all kinds of weird times and then live tweets the game. God bless him. Yeah. <laughs> that's dedication and commitment. And these guys and girls over there have opened up their their arms willingly and have taught me all kinds of stuff about their culture and uh, how they watch the game and. And quite frankly, they know more about the game than a lot of Americans do, if I'm being completely honest, because they're into it. And it's a commitment, it's a dedication, and, you know, it's not just a hobby sometimes. And they all have individual podcasts, they all talk to each other, they work together, they have a, a community, it's uh, at MLB UK community on Twitter. Uh, like I said, if you type, like, UK and Mets or UK and White Sox or whatever, you're going to see fan accounts on social media for these guys and girls. And they're so nice. And they're so willing to just interact with people. Um, we've had the opportunity to get some social media videos from different players of the teams. Joe Madden sat down and had a podcast with, with the Angels guy, which is really cool. The Astros count by uh, his name is George that runs it. He's, you know, just a legend in the sense that he, he'll do anything I ask, right? And the fact that I can't be over there and see what's, you know, boots on the ground, what they're into, you know, they keep me in the loop and, you know, they, they love it. They love the interaction. They've gotten shout outs on broadcast before the UKA has got a shout out in the middle of a game one time, which was like over the moon, exciting. Uh, one of the funniest videos in the last, uh, I think it was two years ago, maybe the Anthony Santander and the Orioles and the UK scouts. I don't know if you guys remember that. There's like fly balls that were hit, routine fly balls, and he would catch it, and like the entire left field bleachers went nuts. It was all UK Cub Scouts basically that were there, and that was their first experience with baseball, and they just took to him. And we talked to him about it at spring training uh, last year. And as one of the greatest memories that he's had in his professional career, and he still keeps up with the team, with the kids over there, which is just outstanding. Yeah, that's really cool. I I wanted to ask you though about the the Field of Dreams game. First of all, like I mean, like I said, Fox did an awesome job broadcasting the game. Was the energy as high? It had to be even higher being right there at the game as it felt like it was coming through TV. And then secondly, as cool as it was, I hope it's something. I want to get your opinion on this. I hope it's something that Major League Baseball doesn't overdo. I feel like it's something that it, it was, you know, received so well. People might be like, we want this every week. But I kind of feel like, no, let's keep it like a once-a-year thing. Like, what are your thoughts on that, then? So to answer the first part of your question, the energy in the arena was unbelievable. When Costner walked through the corn for the first time and addressed the crowd – and just kind of waved and, like, kind of, you know, all that stuff. And, right, you know, and then the Yankees and White Sox players started coming out. It was it was just buzzing, right? Like, the entire place was buzzing. It seemed like everybody truly understood what was happening in the moment. It was also, like, 90-plus degrees there, so it was super hot. And it was just – it was special. It was one of those things where, like, I don't know if TV quite did it justice, and I know it was incredible on TV because I've gone back and watched it. Um, and as far as the overdoing, I, I'm with you. Uh, I hope they don't overdo it. I know that it was the highest rated game in 16-plus years yeah. uh, for Fox, or I think maybe even a, any regular season baseball game. And I know uh, the commissioner said they're going to do it again. I've heard a different, you know, a couple different rumors or whatever, one of them being Cubs Cardinals, some other teams involved. Of course, you're going to want to do the big markets just because of the audience. Yeah, I mean, it'd be cool if they could maybe do an all-star game, right, like, Doing a home run derby in the cornfield would be incredible. It would be super fun. I'm open for whatever makes people interested in the sport, young kids, 
um, trying to keep the fans around, just stuff like that. Nostalgia seems to work the best with baseball because of the history of the game and stuff like that. I'm sure Shoeless Joe was a, you know, somebody that a lot of people might not have known about, and they got an education with him throughout the week. And then obviously when Anderson hit that home run, I think he tied, did something for the first time that uh, Shoeless Joe had done. So huh. it just kind of came all full circle with that. Everything that happened uh, over the course of the, like, I'm guessing two or so days that you were there, watching it on TV, my favorite moment of the entire thing was the players coming out of the corn at the very start of the game. Was there one moment in particular that you'll kind of think you'll take with you the rest of your life from that game? You know what? It's just, yeah, I mean, the players coming to the corn was really special on the field. Mm-hmm. The players coming through the corn for the first time to see the movie set is probably what I'll take away because they were like kids in a candy store. (laughs) I actually had some video that I posted online uh, about it too on like my social accounts. They were, you know, they were in awe of what they were seeing, and it was, it was special for them. It wasn't just another game. And all the players are very gracious with their time, and, and quite frankly, a lot of times they are very gracious, gracious with their mm-hmm. time if they can be. But they were, like, super into it. They were taking pictures with people. Aaron Judge mentioned that he hoped he could take a picture with the Ghost players. That was something that was high on his list uh, of things to do. Liam Hendricks literally left the set where, like, the field was and went up and, like, went and sat on the swing set at the house and was talking about how he was so into it because he was such a big fan of the movie. This is a guy from Australia, keep yeah. in mind. So he didn't even grow up with this movie per se in America. He's just a big fan of the movie, big fan of the sport, of course. And, you know, so seeing those guys get that excited to come out and be a part of it is something that that's unique to being there, right? And being able to see it firsthand was something really cool. Yeah, it definitely would be. What you mentioned about the All-Star game, I hadn't thought about that. That would be a really cool setting for the All-Star game. But then especially the Home Run Derby, seeing home runs getting hit into the cornfield that would be really cool i've got one more question for you ben before we sign off i have to ask you about this because i've got you on the phone got you on the podcast so you're a huge huge orlando magic fan (laughs) and anyone who knows you or follows you on twitter knows that so i've got to ask you what about all these michigan players that are giving your magic your magic squad some run you got even john teske out there getting some run the wagner brothers franz and mo iggy bradikas is out there getting some run are Michigan basketball going to be the cornerstone of the Orlando Magic or what? I mean, they haven't had an identity since Dwight Howard left. So yeah. if it's uh, if it's Wolverine <laughs> hoops that becomes what takes us back to the promised land of being relevant in the sport, I'm all for it. I mean, you know I'm a Michigan fan as well. Go Blue. And <laughs> I just hope that, you know, I hope Franz can really stick. And I know that he's got a, a bright future. I know some people were – uh, a little bit concerned about him being drafted so high. I, I'm not one of them because I think he's going to be a perfect player. But I say I hope he sticks. I mean, I hope he gets gets the opportunity to grow with the team. And I want all these guys, Suggs, Fultz, Anthony, Mo, all, all these guys that are young and want something to prove. I hope they all get the chance to do it. I mean, R.J. Hampton improved X. exponentially since he came over from, from Denver. Allegedly, Mo Bamba has been conditioning incredibly high with a new coach and being a part of summer league practice and stuff like that. And, you know, if Fultz comes back healthy and we finally get to see the true potential of Jonathan Isaac, I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs necessarily or whatever, but I don't think they're going to be the walking doormat that a lot of people think they're going to be next year. They're young and they're fun. And Jalen Suggs, 
I think I might have woken up my entire house when, <laughs> when the Raptors picked Barnes. Yep. Because I was over the moon excited because he was actually the guy I wanted more than anybody in the entire draft, and that includes with the Pistons drafted with Cunningham. Like, I wanted Suggs. There's just something about that guy that, I don't know, I, he just reminds me a lot from a leadership standpoint of, of Jameer, uh, Jameer Nelson, mm-hmm. and Jameer Nelson is arguably the best leader. I'm not going to say the best player in Magic history, but I'd say one of the best leaders in Magic history. The way he used to bring the guys together with the different events that he did in Philadelphia, the way that he would try to rally the troops, the way he stuck by the team through the whole Dwight Mayer. I mean, the guy just had something special about him, and that's kind of what I see with Jalen Suggs from my, you know, uninformed, uneducated NBA opinion. You know, I'm not an expert by any stretch of the imagination, but the guy just seems to have that it factor. Wow, good segue into NBA basketball. I agree with you on Suggs. I think he's going to be a superstar. And we're looking forward to the Rookie League matchup tonight, Pistons and Magic. We're recording on Monday night. be interesting to see the young kids go at it. But, Ben, we appreciate the time. Uh, It was great to get your uh, perspective on the Field of Dreams game. We're going to talk a little bit more about it between the three of us as well. But before we let you out of here, uh, tell our listeners best spot uh, to catch up with you. Uh, You know, I'm on at Ben Regal on Twitter, B-E-N-R-I-E-G-E-L. As as Matty alluded to, you will get a lot of magic tweets. Uh, You'll get some Braves tweets, Bills tweets, uh, Michigan tweets, and a lot of stuff I'll talk about with my my shows that I work on, too, because I do a UFC show that goes in Australia and all over the world. Same thing with the the MLB Mm -hmm. show that I do with with Caps Off. And uh, if you guys get a chance to take a peek at some of these fan accounts like I've talked about that these UK fan guys have... Sorry, there's a really loud <laughs> Mustang. Just went by. Um, these MLB fan accounts that are that are there. These guys and girls are super passionate. So the the Tigers guy is insane, and I say this as a complete compliment. He got a tattoo of a player because he I can't remember what he did now, but it's, it's on his calf. He got a tattoo oh, wow. of his calf, and that's his profile picture. Wow. <laughs> Sounds, it's yeah. like I think his name is Jed underscore UK. So I think is his name. He's super cool, super funny, diehard Tigers fan, and uh, the I'm telling you, man, like these guys and girls are so passionate about it. It makes me want to go so hard for that show because I know how much they appreciate mm-hmm. it. Well, I look forward to checking that out. And again, we'll 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 catch up with you down the road, Ben. We really do appreciate the time. Thanks again for joining us. All right, have a good one, guys. Yeah. Good luck. Thank you. JJ's Excavating and Tree Services can help you with many homeowner items including skid steer work, footings, and gravel work along with property maintenance. JJ's Excavating and Tree Service also experts in tree removals including stump grinding. Fully insured, no job too big or too small. Call Kyle Jones of JJ's at 989-277-9059 to set up a free estimate and tell him 3 Point Podcast sent you. Boogity, 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 let's go racing. The Owasso Speedway has been building families and communities through the promotion of short track racing since 1939. That's almost as long as you've been alive, Ted. Saturdays are race days at the Big O with gates opening at 4. Qualifying begins at 5 with the green flag waved and racing at 7. The Owasso Speedway's 3 eighths of a mile oval high banked layout is super fast, providing thrills and action galore. Easy to get to on M21 between Owasso and Ovid. Stay up to date on upcoming features by following the Owasso Speedway on Facebook at Owasso Speedway MI. Tinkered Sportswear provides a good product at a great value. The area's go-to clothing and more printing store with many loyal customers, 100% guaranteed to satisfy your expectations. Tinkered Sportswear always has Karana, Owasso, and St. Paul's School Spirit items in stock. 
Special items are available for family, sports, business, and charity events. Call 989-725-2979, stop into the store on Exchange Street in downtown Owasso, and follow them on Facebook at hankered.sportswear. All right, guys. I mean, that was good stuff from Ben. I'm so jealous. I'd give my left nut to have been at that game to tell you the truth. I, I mean, it, you know, and I get a little risque here at times, but I, I've coined a new word, okay, when there's a, a sporting event that just knocks it out of the park. And, and I have what's called a sportsgasm, and that's what I had on the Field of Dreams game. I thought, I really thought the television coverage was fantastic, beginning with the pregame show, uh, you know, uh, 8,000 fans there, the the way the game ended. Yep. I mean, you know, Costner coming out of the field, of the cornfield himself first, followed by the players. Uh, just unreal. It, it was. The thing that is underrated about this is, let's say that this was a different actor than Kevin Costner who could have, you know, not done it right. Like, Kevin Costner, he acted like he was basically in the middle of the movie. It's kind of like, oh. it was like he was in, he was basically playing his character. Oh, he movie started up. Right. There's no and, question. And he did a great job. That, that can't be un, uh, undervalued. Uh, the players, the fact that they all, like, you know, understood how special it was, and they all, they, it almost felt like a World Series game. Like, you know that the Yankees were super disappointed when they ended up, you know, losing it. One, how they did, but two, just they really wanted it i never really even seen the field of dreams movie i've only seen parts and it still like was awesome to me just the just the location and the cornfield and the fact they did everything like old school the analyst wearing old school gear yeah. like they did it just everything was perfectly done jared jared i mean i'm, I'm telling you something you've, you've thrown some stuff out the last few weeks the last four or five podcasts that kind of disappoint me a little bit maybe because <laughs> because i'm a parent you know you yeah. don't want to hear that I'm not upset. I'm just disappointed. Ted, you know what I'm talking about with that. Oh, for sure. You haven't seen you haven't seen all of Field of Dreams? No, the you know the actually the only time I've ever watched it was we I took like a party bus to a Tigers game when I was in like maybe my freshman or sophomore year of high school and that was like what was playing on like the little TVs. That's the only time I've ever really watched it. I've only seen parts. I had to look up the plot of the movie. I didn't understand what the whole ordeal was with Shoeless <laughs> yeah, Joe. It was just very confusing and I, I could, still don't totally understand it, but I, I couldn't ever I gonna, Go ahead, Matt. I was just going to say I can't recommend a movie much more than I can Field of Dreams. I was I was going to say the the movie I mean, obviously, it helps if you're a sports or baseball fan. Yeah. So that definitely helps. But the movie in general is just very good. And then, yeah, I was going to say it would be a little confusing if you watched that game and like saw some of the fanfare around it right. if you didn't really get the plot of the movie. So yeah, I would definitely go back and watch it. But um, yeah, as far as the actual game, I, I'm I'm right on board with you guys. It was it was awesome. I think it's one thing, you know, obviously. Dad, sometimes you like you say I'm a company man, and I, I'll admit it, I am a an ESPN company man. But one thing Fox always knocks out of the park, I think, is baseball. Like when when the World Series is always great, or baseball playoffs are always great, in my opinion, when they're on Fox. And I think Joe Buck is great calling baseball games. He gets a lot of flack, but I think Joe Buck yeah. is one of the best in the business, especially when he calls baseball. So yeah, on TV, it looked incredible, and I can't even imagine actually being there. It would have been awesome. Obviously. The way the game played out played a huge part in it. If it was a 12 to 1 blowout, it would have lost a little bit of its juice. But yeah, just an incredible game. Like you said, the uniforms, the, like the throwback vibe, the players coming out of the corn. I mean, it honestly was like you you said it, Ted. Like they they knocked it out of the park because you could have the people who have actually seen Field of Dreams. I mean, had like high expectations. Like this was a big deal, a Major League Baseball game. 
at the Field of Dreams game, if they were to like drop the ball, like say Kevin Costner wasn't even there, right. or they didn't have the players come out of the field or the, the cornfield or something like that, it would have kind of been like, man, you had this opportunity to really kill it, yeah. and you, you didn't. But Fox, I mean, it was like it was incredible. It, that's why most watched game in 16 years or whatever regular yeah. season game. Hundred so, percent agree. No, I'm, I'm right there with you. It was awesome. Yeah, and you talk about Joe Buck, and he does get a lot of flack, uh, but he is as good as they come. As far as a baseball play-by-play guy, John Smoltz out of Lansing Way, really excellent color guy, and even their their studio host Kevin Burkhart, I think he's very very solid. You, you know, keeping one thing it together. you did say that bothered me, and you always you always put the disclaimer out about a Rod. What what is I your deal with a Rod? I just don't like the guy. I mean, he just seems arrogant to me. That's all. <laughs> That's here. Can he I have that opinion? Like, he seems like he's had a total like epiphany in oh, terms of how yeah. I don't know if it's because he's gotten outside of the like baseball and the competition or or what. But he's on a lot of podcasts. Every time he's like a guest on a podcast or I see him on TV, I feel like he's he does a great job. And I feel like he's not arrogant at all. Like what he what what I could see when he was a player, I don't see that as an announcer or okay. a reporter. That, that, I, I, what do you think, Matt? Are you what's the deciding vote here? <laughs> there you go, okay. Matt. Pressure's on. Classic you know, classic three point podcast, you know, how everything goes. I'm down the middle. Yeah. I, I oh my I, I, I don't completely dislike him he he's a-rod so like you saying like he's a little full of himself he's a-rod don't you remember him doing the like gq poses where he's like kissing himself in the mirror and like taking all these pictures like flexing his muscles and stuff so like yes that that's who he is i think he's actually like he's done some stuff for espn and then you know obviously fox i like listening to his analysis of baseball i think he's just got like super interesting insight on like how to hit and stuff like that when he really does breakdowns of like how hitters hit curveballs or you know whatever attack the zone or whatever so I, I think he's actually a really good anal- or analyst but yeah i mean it's a rod i mean yeah he, he is kind of full of himself or whatever uh, that's fair maybe i'll uh kind of turn my head and just listen to what he says and not look at him that maybe that's what bugs me i will say this guys that uh just to kind of close out this segment for me anyway you know when costner came out and just made the announcement it's perfect this is heaven. He was so right. And it was an absolute, almost flawless broadcast and pregame. Just think how cool this would have been, though, a thought after the fact. I guess uh, uh, Costner's movie dad, Dwyer Brown, was there at the game. How cool would it have been if Costner wouldn't have walked off the field when he did but would have just stopped in front of the pitcher's mound, brought his dad out, and they just did one toss of catch? That kind of ties into the movie, Matt. I mean, don't you think that would have been absolutely classic? That would have been cool, yeah, especially if they throw it the line. You want to have a catch? Exactly. That would have been really cool. Yeah, and then one other thing. In the pregame show, you guys, I assume, watched it all, where they had the the little feature by Tom Rinaldi on the modern-day Moonlight Graham, uh, Jeff Bannister, who nearly lost his leg to cancer as a teenager and then fought his way through the ranks, made it to uh, junior college baseball, actually made it to the majors after quite a long time in the minors, called up with the Angels, got an at-bat, and it is only at-bat as a major leaguer, beat out an infield single. They sent him back down to the minors the next day. But is that like a field of dream story supreme? It is. is. Uh, So you guys are saying that this is an all-time great movie. Um, Everything I've heard is that it's a great movie. For some reason, it just never – I've never watched it. One thing I will say about the presentation and one thing I think they could – this is my one very minuscule complaint. 
did we need the fence in the outfield? <laughs> I mean, think about it. It's like why if a ball is going into that corn, by the time a guy would, you know, be running into the corn and fetching the ball and throwing it back into play, the guy's going to have it inside the parker, even though if it goes in the corn, it should just be a home run anyway. What, was there a reason? Was it safety? Why did they feel the need to throw the fence out? Well, I don't think it was I don't think it was a matter of hitting it you know, over the corn into the cornfield, it would be more of a line drive into the corn, then it's just a ground is, rule yeah. double, you know. I would assume, yeah, maybe a safety thing. You don't want some dude going full tilt, smashing into some corn stalks. <laughs> but maybe also, like, I, I'm sure there's, like, even though this was a, a, a special game, I'm sure, you know, I don't know the, the rule book in Major League Baseball. I'm sure it's, like, required for a field to have yeah. a fence. I mean, you know, I'm sure there's something like that in the official Major League Baseball rule book. You can't just have a field without a fence. But, I mean, this was a unique thing. Don't take the fence out. Let the dudes go full tilt into the corn. <laughs> yeah, I could have I definitely handled watching that. But the way they did do it with the corn painted on the fence and the yeah. way that the, the, you know, the, the surrounding fence and everything looked, I mean, it just looked spe- spectacular. You know, I was there. Geez, it must have been 20, 22 years ago. I actually was at the real Field of Dreams. I was on a business trip, and it, it didn't look anything like it does yeah. now. It was just the house and the ball field. <laughs> that was it. But uh, well, yeah, I think that was that was the criticism for a while. I feel like it was always like a tourist attraction. Right. I remember seeing for the longest time people would say that they'd be so excited to go see the Field of Dreams field, and they'd show up and they'd be like, "What the hell is this? Like, it's just the field and the house, like." So yeah, I feel like that was a criticism for a while that they they didn't do it upright. So well, here here's the final thing I'll close with a little advice for our young fella here in the studio. We know he's got a girlfriend now. You're still dating, right? Yep. Okay. Field of Dreams is an incredible movie to watch with your girlfriend. I mean, I went to actually. I didn't know anything about it. I had a date and took her to a, a theater in Lansing. It was like called a, a premiere. You know, it was before it was really released. Yeah, yeah. And I had no idea what it was about. I sat there for that two hours, and I was bawling like a little baby at the end in front of this chick, man. And it, it just it just really gets you if you put it on and just sink yourself into the movie. It's just tremendous. It, it's definitely one of those movies that, like, sucks you in. Like, Again, if you appreciate baseball and you grew up playing catch with your dad, you know, stuff like that, uh, it, it sucks you in. And, yeah, you almost put yourself in his shoes. Yeah. So. And, you know, Jared's come around now. Have you noticed that, Matt? He's kind of become a baseball fan again. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, I'm not going to lie. I, I've watched, like, probably five full baseball games this year, which is more than I've done in my entire life. <laughs> it's went zero to one eight one hundred uh, zero to a hundred real quick is what's happened with my baseball fandom. Well, with you working for Bally Sports and covering the Tigers, which by the way, we'll get into that here in our next segment along with some other potpourri. But uh, I guess that's what we'll do. We'll go right into that right after this. Nelson House Funeral Home's number one goal is to serve the families in our area. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. Unique service representing unique lives, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. Founded in 1880 and continuing the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesonine, and New Lothrop. For more details, find them at nelson-house.com or call 989-723-5234. The CoronaConnection.com staff knows it's great to be gold. Keep up to date on Cavalier Nation at CoronaConnection.com. All Corona, all the time. 
All right, so let me just uh, lay the – so the big storyline right now for the Tigers is Miguel Cabrera. He's been at 499 home runs for about a week now, um, and it's been essentially DEFCON – I recently learned that DEFCON 5 is the, like, kind of safe haven, and DEFCON 1 is when you're on high alert. So it's DEFCON 1 at work where every single day it's like Groundhog's Day. It's a ton and ton and ton of prep in case he hits that 500th home run and every day it's the same thing it's been the same thing this past week where he doesn't hit it you know and it, and let me just paint this story so on Saturday night which was maybe the best tigers game there's been in probably 4 or 5 years i would say basically not arguable i huge, was huge crowd. i was one of only two people back at the studio and I, I, basically my job was, hey, if he hits this home run, you're going to be cutting everything. Ooh. And so I'm watching this. And <laughs> when I say my heart was in my chest every time he was up to bat, it was like I would have probably puked if he ended up hitting. <laughs> and when, you know, eighth inning, worst case possible scenario, if he hits this thing out of the park, I'm going to have to do about five hours of work in about an hour and somehow some way figure out how to do it. He follows it off uh, and it's going right down right field line and it, just goes foul right at the last second. When I say my hands were on my head, like watching that like happen, it, that's not an exaggeration. I was very nervous, but now I'm just kind of you know a little bit cooled down since then, and I'm just like, let's get this 500th home run and let's make sure it happens at Comerica Park. Yeah, that, that's one of the biggest things. Hopefully, it happens at Comerica Park, so he can be there with the home fans and they can give him some love. But also, hopefully, kind of like what you're talking about, hopefully it doesn't drag on for. Well, for your guys' sake, everyone that works yeah. at Valley Sports, but also, like, for his sake, because, I mean, Miggy, we, we've watched him his whole career with Detroit. He's a pretty, like, fun-loving, maybe it's a little bit of a knock on him, doesn't seem to take the game too seriously, so I don't know if it's bothering him, you know, but hopefully it doesn't drag on, like, two weeks, and then that's all anyone talks about. Like, he's in a home run drought waiting for number 500, because, you know, it would just be easier to just get it over with, Get the fanfare, you know, get the plaque, get the trophies, get all that stuff and move on. But it will be really cool when he finally hits it. Do you think there's any little little tiny bit, if you believe in it or not believe in it, negative karma by sitting him in that last series, well, last game I, against Baltimore? I, now he comes home, yeah. you got 35,000 fans there. Every time he comes up to bat, it's just insanity. Everybody has their, ca- their camera phones out ready to take a picture. What kind of pressure is that? And you know every yeah. time he's swinging, he's swinging for the Yeah, fence. that's the thing is I think that if, the, if let's just say that he was at 490. I mean, we saw it. This last, like, 15 games he's batting something like 380 and he's got, like, five home runs and he's, he's right. finally, like, kind of starting to catch fire here in the middle of the season after a slow start. If this was him going for home run at four four ninety nine, I bet you he would have already hit it probably yeah. within these last few games. It's just the fact that, like you said, there's all this pressure on him. He's thinking about it probably way too much. Um, and like you said, it's kind of funny how he is just swinging for the fence oh, every yeah. single time. <laughs> I appreciate it. And I, and I loved it because everything lined, the stars aligned perfectly on Saturday night for him to hit it with. It was like Fiesta Tigres. Oh, they were that's wearing right. The, you know, I've it been was to that game All before. that sort of stuff. And it was a Saturday night game, biggest attendance we've had, you know, in a few years, and it just it just wasn't meant to be. And that's kind of how these things always seem to go. It always happens on the road, or it happens in a blowout, or whatever. But it would have been definitely nice to see him do it uh, prime time slot last yeah. Saturday. But what can you do? Well, he he took mercy on you. Yeah. Right. Can I ask you guys this? This is something that's been kind of a debate around work, and I didn't realize that it was this big of a thing. Apparently, this ball is gonna. If somebody catches it in the stands and decides to keep it, it's going to be, you know, it's 100K plus Hmm. easily, right? 
what is up with the negative connotation to let's say that like I'm sitting in the stands and I catch this ball and you know I just got out of college and I'm I'm definitely not making bank uh it's a hundred K sitting in my hand. And if I don't give this ball back to Miguel Cabrera, I am basically the biggest asshole in, in the entire world. Where do you guys stand on that? Like, is it, it's hard. It's easy for me to say like, you know, this random guy catches it, decides not to give it back to Miguel Cabrera. Oh, what a jerk. But I'm thinking of it. If his, if my perspective, I catch this ball, it's going to be hard for me to give up a hundred thousand dollars just for a meet and greet with Miguel Cabrera and a couple autographs. I, that's just, it's just, how do you not view it that way? I feel like you're lying to yourself. If you don't think that you're going to heavily debate giving that ball back, if you catch it. Yeah. I, I think most people would, I mean, maybe some people have their minds made up already. Like if they bought the tickets, they're saying, if I catch this thing, I'm going to do whatever they decide. The thing about it though, that makes that, that makes it tough. Yes. In theory, that's a hundred K or whatever sitting in your hand. But it has to get certified yep. by either the Detroit Tigers or Major League Baseball. And 99 times out of 100, if you're going to be kind of a jerk and see that as like a payday, they're not going to certify it. So you, you can say you can say over and over, look at me on the broadcast. That's me that caught it. Yeah. But unless it's, unless it's certified by Major League Baseball, no one's going to pay you for it because you could have put the actual ball in at your house and just went, went to Dick's and bought another baseball and said this was it. Yeah. So that's part of the problem, too. And, you know, is, is there people like debate? Is that right or wrong? Like, you're the one that caught it. That should be, like, one thing as a fan. Go ahead and just certify it and let the person who caught the ball make the money off it. I don't know. I feel like it would be really cool, like, to obviously, if, if you could make the money off it, that obviously would be really cool. Or to put it in a trophy case and say, hey, this is Miguel Cabrera's 500th home run. I think it'd be a no-brainer for me. I'd give it back to either the player or the Tigers and – Get a cool picture with Miguel Cabrera. They'd probably hook you up with a signed bat, yeah. some signed batting gloves or, you know, something like that, and I'd move on. I don't need to hold on to a baseball, you know. Yeah, at this stage of my life, too, and, you know, you may not believe it, Jared. I, I am a capitalist, and I love yeah, money like is, everybody, yeah. but, but, okay, I could see myself, if I caught that ball and being uh, – I'm I'm a huge baseball lover, as you know. I I would make a deal with I would give it back to him, and I would say, Hey, listen, let's make this deal. This is 500. I just want to make sure that when this ball is displayed at Cooperstown, that my name is on there, that I donated it back. That'd be good enough for me. I'll, I'll, yeah. All right, that's. I mean, that's like I said. It, it, and Matt, you're exactly right with the validation thing. There, there really isn't a choice. I mean, well, each ball can, has his name on it, don't they? Because every time he came to bat, I noticed they brought balls. out special yeah, balls. Yeah, they're using special balls, hundred uh, percent. But regardless, still, it's it's just kind of how baseball cards and ba- and balls use or that's work true. is. It has to be validated, hundred yeah. percent, or ver- ver- verified, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and the fa- and it is smart that the MLB and the Tigers basically say. Uh, or whoever, you know, this happens all. This has happened 27 other times uh, in MLB history where they say, if you don't give it back to the player, we're just flat out not going to validate it, and that basically ruins it for you anyway. So you might as well just give it back. Yeah. Who was the guy that – he was a comic book guy that uh, – was it McGuire or Barry Bonds caught his ball and or, or bought his ball for a, an investment and it just took a complete dive? Do you know what I'm talking about? No. remember I'm, that I, I know the the big story I always hear people kind of Todd talk McFarlane. about. Albert, Todd McFarlane. Todd McFarlane. something with his 500th ball. I think the fan never gave it back. Right. And he's one that's sitting on it where it's not validated. Right. And there's really nothing he can do about it. Well – I would give it back. That's all I got to say. Uh, you know, we're getting close, boys. Football season kind of has officially started with uh, the Lions underway in their exhibition opener, losing it typical Lions style, yeah. 16 to 15. What are you guys' thought on 
you know, preseason, a, a preseason opener like that for a new head coach, Dan Campbell. Again, I like to bring up the word karma, and they had that game in the bag. They had that game won. You just don't let the defensive back, you just don't let them get behind you, and he allows that long pass, and they lose on a field goal. Didn't that just make you feel like, here we go again, right out of the gates where I seriously walked, I watched Campbell come off the field. He was pissed, you know, because yeah. you want to start off your regime with a win. I don't care if it's the first exhibition game or not. It just it just left a sour taste in my mouth, and maybe it doesn't mean anything at all. I don't know. I mean, the only thing I'll say to it is, we all know this. I'm not. I'm not. This isn't groundbreaking news that I'm about to say. The year the Lions went yeah. 0-16, they went 4-0 in the preseason. So <laughs> that would be the one thing. Like in a sense, it's just a preseason game. But yeah. I know. I, yeah, Campbell is probably pissed because he's wanting to set a tone exactly to see good play and all that kind of stuff. The one thing, though, that I, I mean, we Michigan football, and it's definitely there with the Lions. There's just this like aura or this like mindset this obviously with the lions it's the same old lions the sol that it it, i mean i think dan campbell is definitely going to try and turn things around a different mindset a different energy and you know you talk about harbaugh hopefully having a renewed energy going into this season but it's got to be hard even for the players even it being an exhibition game to not be like maybe there is something to the same old Lions thing. Like, like we're right there winning the game, and then we give up a bomb. I mean, I, I do still think it's a preseason game, so whatever. But there is still that thing, like, hanging over the Lions, that same old Lions thing. That Charlie Brown cloud. <laughs> yep. So, And the fans aren't shy about reminding people about it. So hopefully, you know, they just get it all out of the way in the preseason and – and, uh, you know, they put it together. Yeah, how about a little highlight, though? I mean, Goff, he settled down after a bad first yeah. series. He looked pretty good after that. And, man, what a story on the running back, Craig Reynolds, who showed up, introduced himself to the team in the huddle, and had the best game of anybody <laughs> running class. the ball. And that's all you need to know about. I mean, I hate to say it. I, I've tried. I try every year. When, <laughs> I, when we're so depleted of football that every year it comes around, I think, like, hey, I'm going to watch it. Yep. I tried watching it. I maybe made it through, like, three plays of this game. <laughs> I, 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 I had nothing else going on, just flat out could not get through it. But something that you guys have kind of buried the lead, oh, Jared Goff looks so good, Jared Goff in like his fifth year. How about Justin Fields, the yeah. guy we passed up on? Yep. Very first game is just balling out. And I hope you guys are ready for basically what's going to happen is we're going to get quote-unquote bared, where if you remember, they took Mitch Trubisky, and then ever since then it's been the Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes, like every time they go off, Bears fans just get crapped on. That is now our life. If Justin Fields or Mac Jones or Trey Lance, if one of these guys that are I don't I think actually Trey Lance is taken right ahead of us, but if one of these guys that we passed up on on what people are calling quote unquote the best quarterback draft in years ends up being a complete superstar, I hope you guys are ready for the fallout that will be just the hell that we have to endure as Justin Fields cross conf- or same conference is just winning against us every single year and looking like the next quarterback of the future. Just get ready for it. Well, you guys wanted this. You wanted Sewell and yep. this whole Jared Goff resurrection, so just get ready. Well, we'll see what happens. Time will tell. Again, we're talking exhibition football. Fields did look very good, and he definitely could be the real deal, but uh, we'll just have to wait and see how time transpires. Bears fans are, will remember, though, that Trubisky looked really good in his first preseason game, and they were saying all the same things that you're talking about, Jared. <laughs> And we know how the rest of that has gone with Mitch Trubisky. So, and and Fields was going against backups. Yeah, he looked really good, but 
you know, I, I think it's always about fit, too. The Bears yep. have had a bad track record with quarterbacks, so that's not saying they're like a quarterback factory. But who knows? Maybe Fields goes to Detroit and he's absolutely trash. So, I don't right. know. But hopefully huh. Sewell, hey, Sewell got, he got owned on a couple plays. But it's just preseason. Everyone needs to settle down. It's just preseason. Yep, and, uh, you know, for his first snap. So, he'll, yeah, he'll get it figured out. I'm not out. saying that Sewell isn't going to be a good player. I'm just saying, man, it'd be nice. And rather than having a good offensive line, it'd be great to have a – generational quarterback and they may they may draft one in the next couple and i'm not years. saying that justin know. fields is going to be that it's just saying early indication you can't play a better first preseason game Absolutely. is the only thing i'm going to say nope you're 100 right i i thought of you as soon as i saw his stats <laughs> <laughs> and are you ready for that where no i'm not ready to listen this, anymore from you i know that he, is, he wins rookie of the year are you guys ready for the non-stop barrage <laughs> that i'm gonna be throwing at you guys for the rest of the time we do this podcast that's all right it's fair because we all have our moments so You'll be ready, too, when it comes your way. Uh, Let's move on real quick, guys. Uh, Fun podcast so far. Uh, Pistons in Summer League. I talked about it a little bit with Ben. I mean, kids are looking pretty good. You know, Cade Cunningham, I'm impressed with with his play. Uh, Killian Hayes looks good. Bay looks good. And Luca Garza, I think they just signed him, what, to a a sign and what do they call that? A two-way deal, basically, where he's a G League or whatever, but two years. That's good, because I think he can be a solid player on their team as time goes by. I mean, he. We, we watched him a lot, obviously at Iowa. He's as clunky as they come, running up and down the court. Like you almost yep. watch him, and you wonder, like, how are you a professional athlete? Yeah. But the dude has a ton of skills. I mean, he can shoot, he can defend, he can rebound. So like, it, it's kind of like if he can like put it together. Which yeah, like you said, he's playing really well in summer league, and he, he got himself a deal already. So hopefully he can put it all together. And he even said he he, he there was a quote from him that obviously people are eating up, and it is really interesting. It was along the lines of, like, if he does a, a foot race with people, he's not going to win any foot races, but he's going to run harder than anyone up and down the court. So, like, he's saying the right things right. and, like, talking about working on his game, and he obviously was player of the year in college basketball. So it's all there. For them to take – that's one thing about it, too. The Pistons took him in the second round. So I saw some people, like, questioning that, and it's like second-round NBA draft picks are basically just, like – throwing a dart at the wall and hoping something sticks. So if you got Luca Garza in the second round, that's that's worth taking a shot on. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Though. 100%. Also, guys, uh, this is kind of a tedertainment thing, but I'm not going we don't have time for a full tedertainment, but uh, did you both see the Netflix uh, Untold Malice at the Palace? Yeah, can we So real quick, I'm going to throw out quick thoughts on uh, Summer League. Yeah. One, Cade Cunningham, 7 for 10 from three-pointer. The fact that he is basically an elite three-point shooter from the time he walked onto an NBA court is just like the cherry on top of everything else that he does. That is just so awesome that he's already uh, just has a strap, no other way to put it. Um, Jalen Green. Yeah, we're glad Uh, we didn't get him. We're we're speaking of enemies with Malice at the Palace, Doc. Uh, Real (laughs) quick before we get to that. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Green. Who does this kid think he is? Ever since... We passed on one. It's it's he's had this weird like back and forth. He wanted to get picked number one. He wanted to be the number one pick, and then as soon as we didn't take him, he's basically just completely crapped on everything. Detroit talks about how you know this is essentially like been going to a bubble, and he would never leave his apartment if he was here. This or that. One, have you ever been to Detroit? Detroit's actually like a good, especially like summertime in Detroit. It's Tigers fun. baseball, seven o'clock start. Like, there's nowhere better to be. There really isn't. Um, and just this kid, he's just like, I don't know how he's done it, but in the matter of, you know, two weeks since he's even started playing in the NBA, he's already became 
our least favorite player. And I can't wait for him to show up at Detroit and we can just run them off the court. <laughs> Let's hope oh, the- I hope I hope when, when the Rockets come to Little Caesars Arena that it's damn near a sellout and people are just heckling him like crazy because we know we're, we're proud Michiganders. And I know there's people from all over the country that are proud of like where they're from and stuff like that. But I, I don't know. I've, I've lived in Connecticut for a while, lived in North Carolina for a while, and I don't know if there's anyone who's like prouder of where they're from than Michiganders, yeah. especially the city of Detroit. Flint is a close second. If you're from Flint, very proud of that. If you want to piss some people off, a fan base <laughs> off, talk shit about Detroit or yeah. Michigan, and it's going to happen right away. This dude, <laughs> if, if you wanted to make one fan base mad – it was the Detroit Pistons and saying something about Detroit, saying that <laughs> negative stuff about Detroit. Because it worked. Right when that stuff came out, oh, man, it was all over Twitter, and people are just retweeting and quote-tweeting it. So, yeah, hopefully hopefully Pistons fans show up when he's in town. Public enemy number it, it one. It seems like uh, just me on the outside looking at it, it seems like Cade Cunningham is just a lot more mature than this guy. Like, one – you just got to know, like, what is the what do you gain from saying that quote yeah, at all? It's a, and it's totally it, unprovoked. Immature. It's not like we just, like, you immature. know, we're, like, talking trash to them or, like, it was, like, super dirty, like, summer league game between the two. Like, it just it was totally just out of left field, made no sense. It wasn't even like it was just the draft just happened. Like, you're still hung up on us not taking you one. You know that that's the root of this thing. Sure. As for the Mouse at the Palace documentary, the Indiana Pacers – Correct me if I'm wrong. They took the like approach in this documentary that this team was like the Spurs dynasty getting ready to take <laughs> off with guys like Jermaine O'Neal, Ron Artest, and, and Reggie Miller in like the last leg of his career. You guys were alive at this time and big into Detroit sports, obviously. Yeah, is that at all the truth? They were a competitive. They were a very competitive team in the Eastern Conference. You know, they did make it to the finals a year before, or was it the Pistons? Two, yeah, Pist- yeah 2004. The Pistons knocked them out. Pistons definitely had their number, but they were a very solid team, but, you know, not any kind of dynasty by any stretch. I mean, they, they, they made the NBA Finals a few years earlier, and the Lakers beat them. Um, you know, obviously Reggie Miller and Jalen yep. Rose is there. They, they, I wouldn't say a dynasty by any means, but in the East, you know, they did have a solid core with Jermaine O'Neal, Steven Jackson, Ron Artest, obviously, like you said, Reggie Miller at the end of his career. And I haven't watched it yet, but talking to I've I've read a bunch of mixed reviews. And one of my buddies actually was just texting me about it, asking me if I watched it. And he told me, he, he said he, he wasn't impressed by it at all. But he said that, was something I wasn't aware of, that it was produced by Jermaine O'Neal. Yeah, And oh God. I didn't, I didn't know that. And he said it was basically like a pity party um, for the Pacers, like trying to make it like, you know, this wasn't our fault or, you know, stuff like yeah. that. That kind of makes it, I'm still going to watch it at some point, but that kind of makes me like, oh, a little less interested because it's not I want to see a documentary just unbiased about the malice at the palace not like the Pacers players telling their side and that's it so is that kind of how it came off it was like the Pacers saying oh like it wasn't our fault or something no not not really not saying it was their fault but it was a hundred percent from the Pacers point of view I mean Ben Wallace was the only Pistons yeah, that well, was interviewed at all. And and, and, when, and and Ben Wallace didn't, like, the whole time I was watching, I was like, did they not interview anyone, like, of the, the, from Detroit, like a coach or a player? Because I think Ben Wallace didn't even uh, get introduced on the documentary until, like, 45 minutes into exactly. it. Exactly. It, it was a joke. And the maybe the funniest part of it, I, I don't remember who tweeted it, but uh, at one point in the docu- like, where this was like they were talking about, Steven Jackson says, um, like, Ron Artest came into the locker room and is like, hey, like, do you think that we're going to get in trouble for this? Or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and he's like, ah, uh, yeah. And then little do you know, Jermaine O'Neal and Ron Artest apparently got into a fight 
after Malice at the Palace in the locker room. Right. Because Jermaine O'Neal was basically almost about to get taken out in handcuffs. Uh, and it was it, it was it, there it was interesting. Uh, I'm not gonna act like I wasn't you know watching it and kind of like my eyes were glued to the screen watching it. Do I think it could have been made better? Yes. And but if I'm a Pacers fan, like this is maybe my favorite thing I've ever watched in my life. It's it, it was just funny how oh yeah it was a weird angle. It was such a good story that should have had a thirty for thirty made on it ten yep. years ago. I guess I didn't want this documentary to be a like Pacers it story. Pacers it should have just been fast. a malice at the palace like overall story of of what happened that day. And really, when you look back at what happened, it was the Pacers against the Pistons fans. I mean, yeah. you know, they set up the story, and I won't, I, you know, I won't break it down for you, Matt. But it really, the whole crux of the issue is when our test laid on the table, and then a fan threw a bottle or a beer. And that's when all hell broke loose. And they showed a lot of a lot of good video, and you can see exactly what was going on. But uh, it would have been interesting to see a little bit more even documentary yeah. with the Pistons' thought processes as well. So it's worth watching. You know, what what it needs to be, like you said, Jared, it needs to be a thirty for thirty. Yep. And from from like just just about the event from yeah. like both sides, because like what, what most people don't remember at that time, kind of like what we talked about a little bit. The Pacers and the Pistons at that time were like a, a pretty heated rivalry. Yeah, it was. They had been battling a lot in the playoffs the last four or five years. The two teams, like, hated each other. I mean, like, Reggie Miller hated the Pistons, and the Pistons did not like Ron Artest and, you know, the rest of the guys. So, like, that game, I, I don't know if you remember, Ted, that game, would like, they almost ended it even before that because Ben Wallace and Artest were, like, yeah. about to fight a few other times before that. So that's why that last foul that happened – Ben Wallace finally lost it and basically Jack run our test. And then it obviously escalated from there. So like, that's what they need to see. Go back like two or three years and show the buildup to this. The Pacers and Pistons hated each other. And this is just where it boiled over. And then obviously, like you said, when our test laid on the, on the, uh, the scoring table and some dude chucked a beer at him. Yep. And all hell broke loose after that. But. Well, they covered everything as far as the event itself and the video. I mean, you're exactly right. Uh, you know, Wallace with a big chuck really got it going. You know, Artest did follow him. It was kind of a cheap shot. But when Wallace shoved him, it was with serious intentions, and, yeah. and it just broke out from there. All right. Uh, I definitely say watch it, Matt. I think you'll you'll get into it, but maybe not enjoy it because we're all Piston fans. All right. Let's call it a podcast, fellas. I, uh, I want to say that's a wrap. Follow us on social media at Three Point Pod. By the way, we have our Three Point Podcast Prep Pigskin Preview coming up a couple weeks down the road. So you're going to want to tune into that. We got great partners that help us out. They include Advanced Elevator, the ALS Association, Corona Connection, JJ's Excavating and Tree Service, Kendall Drugs in Corona, Hankard Sportswear, the Owasso Speedway, Rivals Taphouse and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sheridan Auction Service, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and Z92.5 The Castle. For Jared Fattel and Matt Burns, I'm Ted Fattel saying so long, everybody. Hey gang, please consider a donation to the ALS Association Michigan Chapter, serving people with ALS and their families since 1988. There still is no cure for Lou Gehrig's disease, and every 90 minutes, someone is diagnosed with ALS. For more details, go online at webmi.alsa.org.
Three Point Podcast is syndicated worldwide on Sports Radio Detroit and MWSN Radio. The show is a Sportsnet Michigan production recorded at the WJSZ Mid-Michigan Studios. Spread the word to your friends and family and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or any of the other big podcast hosting sites. Comments and questions can be sent via social media at 3PointPod or by email to 3PointPod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, bye for now.